can be that for people. Sometimes this is a mysterious thing, and that's why we're talking about four important prayers during the series that we believe have the power to change our life. And so we want to say welcome to Riverway. I'm Ryan, one of the pastors, and we're in week two of this series. Uh, Whatever your faith journey has looked like, I think it's important to remember that God's relationship with you has always been designed to be a personal one. And that's why prayer is so important, right? Could you imagine having a close personal friend that you never communicated with? That would make it difficult. And we believe that prayer is our way of communicating with our Heavenly Father. And as we said last week, we believe that not only does God hear us when we pray, but that there's power in that prayer to change us and change our circumstances. And so in this series, as we're talking about these four important prayers, last week we kicked off with this prayer, uh, and it was, God, help me to forgive. Help me to forgive, a powerful prayer. So if you're in that spot where you're needing some forgiveness in your life, maybe you need to extend forgiveness, maybe there's some relationships that need repairing, I would encourage you to go to riverwaychurch.com, watch that message back, and hope it will be a help for you. So we're continuing with week two today. Right inside of your bulletin should be some message notes. If you want to go ahead and grab those out, follow along with us, or you can take notes right on our app if you've downloaded that. Uh, Well, in thinking about uh, today's talk, I was thinking back to maybe some of my very first memories of volunteering. And I grew up in a pastor's home, and my, pa- my parents pastored a church in the northeast Minneapolis, so inner city, and there was always a lot of need uh, that surrounded us. But one thing I remember specifically is there was one time that we went to a homeless shelter to feed uh, people that were there. And I mean, I, I don't know, I was probably 8, 9, 10, somewhere in that range, but I, I remember it leaving uh, an impact on me as my worldview was open to people that lived differently than we did. People that had different brokenness, uh, different needs, uh, things going on in their world, to know that we could help them, even if for a moment. And, you know, even involved uh, in my parents' church, they did a lot of inner-city ministry and outreach. And, and I think it was through some of those things that not only helped define maybe some of our vision, even here today and the things that we do, uh, but it also helped me realize that my life could make a difference, uh, that my life could have an impact on other people. Uh, Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've served. Maybe you've done something uh, for others, and it left a mark on you. And you realize, wow, I can really help make a difference. There's something powerful inside of that. But truth be told, it doesn't come natural for us, does it? Uh, When we think about giving to others, serving others, putting others before ourselves, we don't naturally lean in this direction. And, And we know this is true because from the moment we're born, Uh, We're inundated with advertisements and messages that tell us that everything is about who? It's about us, right? It's all about me. In fact, life is about status. It's about power. It's about wealth. What I can accumulate. The achievements I have to show for myself. And as Americans, last but certainly not least, we love our personal comfort, don't we? We love our personal comfort. But really, I don't think it's any one of our faults. I kind of think we're a product of our culture because culture has taught us that it's all about me, me, me. Uh, And it reminded me of this painting that uh, the comedian uh, Stephen Colbert donated uh, to the Smithsonian. uh, And this is so cool. It's just really funny because he donated this picture as a joke and they actually hung it up on the walls. But it's a painting of him with a painting of him in the background, with a painting of him in the background, with a painting of him in the background. And the reason I like it is because it mocks our narcissistic culture that says it's all about me. And then when we contrast that with the heart and life of Jesus, 
who is all about serving and all about helping others around us. I think sometimes in moments like this, when we're listening to talks like this by someone like me on a platform like this, and we start talking about serving or giving our life away, we tend to be a little uncomfortable. We don't really like that. Maybe it just rubs us the wrong way because of how we've been inundated and trained to realize that life should be about us. And maybe we don't always like it when Jesus says in Matthew 20, 26, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. I mean, come on, we're taught all the time how to be great. I mean, you can buy a million books on being great in our society and in our culture. Be great, be great, be great. And here's how you can achieve that. But Jesus says, quite contrary, if you want to be great, you actually have to be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, if you want to figure out how to be first, it's not going to come through your wealth and it's not going to come through your achievements. The greatest among us will be those that lead with serving. And Jesus refers back to even him laying down his own life. And he says, there comes a point in time in every follower's life that you have to die to your own priorities, that you have to die to your own schedules, die to those things that we've maybe elevated as these are the things that will make us feel like we've achieved something in our life. We die to those things. And Jesus says, your first feeling, that whoever serves and gives their life away is becoming the greatest among us. Who's the greatest among us? I know our culture would easily put Jeff Bezos up there, right? Uh, the founder of Amazon, the richest man on planet Earth. He's got more money than he could ever spend in a hundred lifetimes. And constantly on the top of magazines and front page newspaper, this guy is great. But here's the amazing thing, that when it comes to Jesus, Jeff, according to his standards, wouldn't be on God's top list of who's great because it really has nothing to do with that. Jesus said, those who are the greatest among us are those who are serving and finding ways to be on mission with God and giving their life away. And this is one of the most important things that Jesus talked about, that he tried to communicate to his followers again and again, because he knows it goes against our selfish nature, and he talked about it so much. And because sometimes we don't like to hear it, sometimes we try to reframe it, and we try to think, well, that's maybe for other people. And it made me think of this incredible story of this church in Spain. And this church has this pillar where um, somebody famous painted this picture of Jesus. And I'm going to show it to you right here. This is a picture of Jesus that, that is on one of the pillars in the church. And it's been there for hundreds of years. And it's worn down over time. Worn down, worn down, worn down. And the people there love it. I mean, it's famous in this area. And there was an 80-year-old lady in their church by the name of Cecilia Gimenez that decided that the painting had become worn out and that she would take it upon herself to repaint Jesus in this picture. And so I just want you to take a look at her rendition of how that went over. And um, 
Yeah, cringes, right? No. And the people in the church, when they saw this, they were so mad at her and she was gone on vacation and she came back. And you can look it up on YouTube and watch the news stories. It's hilarious. But she says, everybody's mad, but I don't understand. I was on vacation and I didn't have time to finish yet. I'm not done with the picture yet. I'm getting to it. I mean, show the before one more time. I mean, look at this beautiful painting. And then this is what she painted. And she says, I'm not quite done yet. To which they responded, please be done. Do not touch anything more. And then they had to bring in restoration artists to try, to try to restore it back to its original beauty. And it just got me thinking because I thought, you know, just like this lady, there are many Christians who like to reframe their beliefs and opinions to fit their own desires. That the picture of Jesus that we see when he talks about serving and giving your life away, it makes us a little uncomfortable. We don't really like it. And so let's just talk about something else. Let's talk about something else that Jesus said you know, maybe that's for others, but not for me. And that's why we tend to make excuses like, well, I'm too busy to serve in that way. Or I'm too old, or I'm too young. I'm certainly too tired. Have you seen our children? Too tired to serve, or too whatever. You fill in the blank. We tend to make those excuses. And yet there are many, many people here, even at Riverway, who give their lives away. They serve so faithfully. But I know this that there are some people here that, man, maybe that's a job for someone else. In fact, you might attend Riverway. You might even say, listen, I love that our church does fifth Sundays. Cancel the morning services to bless the community. I love that, but I'm gonna stay home and I'm gonna get some stuff done. And I'll leave that for others to do. Or I love that those people in Honduras are being reached, but I'm not gonna spend my vacation time and my dollars to certainly go over there. I'll leave that for someone else to do. Or I love that our church does Family Fun Fest and Easter Egg Factory and Christmas Miracle Sunday, but I'll let others carry the load and volunteer. I'm just, I'm far too busy. Or I love that each Sunday when I come, the school is transformed and it's ready for me and to have my kids taken care of and the donuts and the coffee are ready and I get to worship and learn, but God knows I have too much on my plate to help out. And so if I've stepped on your toes at all, great, that was my intention. Um, But here's where I want to let you off the hook. I actually think it's quite normal to think that way because that's how our culture has trained us. And it even creeps into a church like this and churches around the Twin Cities, around the world, that people say, listen, I'd like to just receive, but I don't want to give anything back. I want to come in and I want to be a part, but not that much a part. I don't want to give my life away in maybe the different opportunities that are in front of us. And truly, it's only when we push ourselves outside of ourselves that we begin to fulfill what Jesus has asked us to do. You see your next feeling, the the biggest hurdle to fulfilling our God-given purpose and mission is our personal comfort. It's our personal comfort. It will always be the biggest hurdle to us accomplishing our God-given purpose. And because of our personal comfort, it's why we are good at justifying why others should be on mission with God and why we don't need to be. Or maybe there's some of us that we like to think we're on mission with God, but the truth of the matter is, just by attending a church doesn't mean you're on mission with God. It means you're warming a chair. Quite honestly, that's all it means. 
Now, is it important for us to gather? Absolutely. Is it important for people to get together to worship and to learn? Absolutely. But when it comes to you fulfilling your life's purpose, when it comes to you being on mission with God, you simply attending a church does not mean you're on mission with God. It doesn't mean that. But here's what I know. And about our kind of gathering like this, that God did not put all of us together at this time in history, in this part of the world, at this exact location in the country, for us to get together every week and just hear a pep talk and then go about our regular life. I believe he's given us a much bigger purpose than that. A much bigger purpose. You see, you and I, whether you're in the back of the room, whether you're in the front of the room, you and I, every single person in this room, we're not just made to be born and get a good job and go to school and retire and die. That wasn't God's plan for us. Even though it sounds pretty ordinary and it sounds like what most people do, you and I were made for more than that. And part of the reason you exist is to fulfill what Jesus said before he left this earth. And it was known as the Great Commission. And maybe you've heard this passage before. Maybe you've heard of the Great Commission. But these were Jesus' final words before he left this earth and ascended into heaven. The last thing he said to his followers was this. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey or to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. And I love how this starts out. Jesus says, go. I mean, come on, if you're going to help make a difference, if you're going to be on mission with me, then you're going to have to get off your rear end, right? And you're going to have to go do something. And what's amazing is that as you look back over the history of time, nothing significant in all of humanity has been done by someone saying, let someone else do it. It's been by someone who has felt a nudge inside of themselves to get up and go, to go and make a difference, to go and do something. And especially as followers of Jesus, he's saying, come on, you're going to have to go and do something with your life beyond your comfort zone, beyond your normal routine. And if we could sum up this Great Commission, I would define it this way, and it's the next thing on your notes. The Great Commission is to help other people find and follow Jesus. That is the Great Commission, as succinctly as I can put it, to help other people find and follow Jesus. And he gave us these basic instructions before he left the earth. Come on, go. Go make disciples. Help people find me baptize them, teach them, help them to follow me. And remember that I'm with you, that we're in this thing together. Which, th- which means this, and this might be a little offensive um, maybe to some of you, but it's, it's true and it's your next film, that if you are a follower of Jesus and you are not a part of the Great Commission, your life isn't on mission with God's. And that's an incredibly sobering thought. That if you've crossed the line of faith, if you've asked for his forgiveness, if you've said, Jesus, I'm making you the leader of my life, I want to follow you, but your life is not a part of the Great Commission, you're not helping anybody find or follow Jesus, then your life is not on mission with God's. And as a pastor, I have to be honest, that's a little bit of a scary thought. That there's many, many people all around the world that are willing to receive salvation but are not doing anything to build God's kingdom. 
they're willing to receive forgiveness and they're willing to receive eternal life ever after. They're willing to receive God's grace that's new every single morning, but yet their life is only on their own mission and not God's. And that's why today's prayer is so incredibly important. Because if you're sitting here and you're saying, well, I want to be on mission with God. How do I begin it? How do I begin to do that? It begins with our important prayer today, and it's this, your next fill-in. We begin to be on mission with God when we pray, God, use my life for your purposes. God, use my life for your purposes. Such a powerful prayer when you pray that. God, you can use my life for your purposes. I don't know, maybe you've never prayed that. I know this, there's many of you, you've prayed that prayer many times. And your life is on mission with God's. You've been serving and giving and you've been using your gifts, your abilities, your talents. But I remember one of the very first times that I prayed that prayer, I was probably, I don't know, maybe nine, ten years old. And I remember just knowing in my heart that I, that I wanted to be a preacher. That I, that I was going to help other people find and follow them on this side of ministry. I think we're all called to minister. But from a vocation standpoint, I just felt in my heart like that's what I, that I was going to do the rest of my life. And I remember praying a similar prayer, God, you can use my life for your purposes. God, you can have my life. I remember when I was 14 and I got a job at Burger King. How many of you ever worked at Burger King? Have it your way. Yeah, one back there. Oh, here's one here. And, and, and I worked at Burger King because it was the only place that would hire me at 14. And I remember when I had that job, I prayed a similar prayer. God, you can use my life at this job. And there was a man there that had Down syndrome. And I just felt this nudge from God that I was supposed to be his friend. And I did. And for the year that I worked there, we became best buddies. And everyone else kind of avoided him. And him and I would schedule our lunch breaks together. And I loved it because all he wanted to talk about was Disney movies. He was just infatuated with Disney movies. And so I had to pretend that I was just as infatuated. And we would just sit and we'd talk about like The Little Mermaid during our breaks. I mean, it was just awesome. Um, But I, I like to believe that for that moment in time that God used me to help bring some encouragement to his life. I remember being 17 years old and I got hired at a market research firm and uh, God had helped me move into a supervisor position. I remember praying this prayer, God, you can use my life here. Help me to be on purpose, on mission with you here. And there's a few of my co-supervisors that I was able to share what God's done in my life with and invite them to church. And one of them crossed that line of faith at a church with me. They decided to follow Jesus. And I remember being 20 years old and I was at a camp in Nebraska, and I was doing some music there for a youth event they had going on. And at that time, our church had asked me to take over the youth and lead that. And really, I didn't have a strong desire to do it because I was going to do something else. But even in that, I felt God's nudge to do something and be a part of that. And I remember praying a prayer at 20 years old, God, you can use my life for your purpose in this way. If that's what you want, I'll do it. And really, so many times throughout the years, I pray this prayer on a regular basis. God, you can use my life for your purposes. You can use my life. And the reason it's such a powerful prayer is that it just realigns your heart with what's important in life. That outside of my own agenda and my own stuff, that I've been made and created for a purpose bigger than just me. And it's to be on mission with God. And when I pray that prayer, God, you can use my life for your purposes. Oh, it just realigns my heart again and my mind to say, okay, what am I doing to help build the kingdom? I want my life to count for something bigger than me. And it reminds me of Isaiah in the Old Testament. We read, about this incredible man who regularly aligned his heart and his mind for God's purposes. 
And it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And in fact, one of my favorite men in the Bible. And it's why we gave our youngest son, Paxton, the middle name Isaiah. And early on in this book, you read about a culture that Isaiah lived in. And it was similar to ours in that many people were far from God and broken by their own bad choices. And because of God's heart to reach people far from him, he was looking for a volunteer to help reach them. And we find this incredible question by the creator of the universe in Isaiah 6, 8. Isaiah said, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, and he asked this question, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? In other words, who will be on mission with me? Who will help reach the people that are far from me? Who will help? Any takers. And I just imagine Isaiah in that moment, his heart being nudged and moved. And it was in that moment he lifted his hand. He said, here I am. You can send me, God. I'll be your volunteer. I'll let my life count for something bigger than me. I want to be on mission with you. So here I am. God, you can send me. What a powerful response. And what a powerful question. God says, who will volunteer for me? God wanted to know who would make their life available to be on mission with him. And Isaiah said, you can count on me. And see, Isaiah, I mean, he was like you or I. He wasn't anything special. Because I think sometimes when we think about volunteering for God, we think, wow, I gotta have it all, right? I gotta have all the gifts and all the abilities. And wow, I gotta be perfect. And I can't, man, if I send it all, I'm disqualified. I mean, whatever it might be that runs through the gamut of your imagination to get yourself out of this spot. But you are special. You're incredibly special. In fact, God has given you abilities and interests and talents and gifts and your personality and your life experiences. God has given you all of that on purpose. All of it. You're incredibly gifted. So much to offer. In your next film, you see God would have not given you gifts and abilities if he didn't intend for you to use them for his purposes. He wouldn't have given them to you or to me. If, we did, if he didn't intend for us to use them for his purposes. Because the truth is, God never wastes anything. Nothing's on accident. Everything's been on purpose. Everything you've been given, exactly how you've been wired, all of your abilities, your interests, your talents, your personality, all of it's been on purpose by God for his purpose. And I love what Jeremiah 1.5 says. God says, before I made you in your mother's womb, I, what's that word? Chose you. Before I made you, God says, I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. A special work. I love what Rick Warren, Pastor Rick Warren says in The Purpose Driven Life. He says, God formed every creature on this planet with a special area of expertise. Each of us was uniquely designed or shaped to do certain things. And I like this analogy. He says, before architects design any building, they first ask this question. What will be its purpose? How will it be used? The intended function always determines the form of the building. And before God created us, he decided what role he wanted us to play on earth. He planned exactly how he wanted us to serve him, and then he shaped us for those tasks. 
We are the way we are because we were made for a specific ministry. We are God's handcrafted work of art. We are a custom-designed, one-of-a-kind, original masterpiece. God deliberately shaped and formed us to serve him in a way that makes our ministry unique. He carefully mixed the DNA cocktail to, to create us. What an amazing thought that the creator of the universe took careful attention to make you just the way that you are. You see your next fill-in. God has already uniquely prepared you to be on mission with him. And now he's waiting for you to volunteer. God's already created you. He's already wired you. He's already made you the way you you are. And now he's just waiting for you to raise your hand, much like Isaiah did, and say, God, here I am. You can use my life. That's why it's such a powerful prayer. God, you can use my life for your purposes. God, you can use my life for your purposes. And I know right about this moment, you think I'm talking about the person next to you. Because this is what we do. This is our human nature. We tend to think, when someone like me is giving a talk like this, that they're talking to other people in the room. And I want to assure you, I'm not talking about the person on your right or left. I'm talking about you. I'm not talking about someone else in this room. I'm talking about you. That you were uniquely gifted and created by God for a very special purpose that he has for you. And now he's waiting for someone to raise their hand and say, God, you can use my life for your purposes. God, you can use my life. All right, well, Ryan, now that we've established that you're talking about me, how do I know where to volunteer? How do I know how to let God use my life? That's a great question. And I think the answer is found in this passage, Philippians 4, 8. And you may have heard this passage before and maybe not quite like this, but I believe it holds the answer to how God is nudging us. And it says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, Paul says, put it into practice. So what does God want you to do? What's the word? What's the word? What does God want you to do? Whatever is the key word. Whatever. What does God want you to do? Whatever. Whatever you find in your heart to do. In fact, another place of Scripture says, whatever your hands finds to do, do it with all your might to the glory of God. Whatever you find, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's right, whatever's excellent, praiseworthy. God's not so, I mean, come on. He's not so interested in, wow, it has to be this one specific thing. And if you miss that, wow, you've really missed the purpose for your life. Absolutely not. God's whatever you can do, put it into practice. Whatever, just put it in practice. So what should you do for God your next film? Whatever is in your heart to do, just start using your time, your talents, your personality and abilities with God's kingdom in mind. How can you serve? How can you be a blessing? How can you make a difference in somebody's life? How can you make a difference in your community? How can you make a difference here at Riverway? Whatever, just do what Jesus said when he told his disciples, go. Just go. Come on, let's do something. Ryan, how do I know if it's the right thing that God wants? He'll lead you. 
I just say, go until you get a no. Just keep going until you get a no. Whatever God's put in your heart to do, just start chasing something. He's put dreams in your heart. He's put desires in your heart. He's put, he's wired you in such an intentional way that he wants you to do something with it. Just do it. And it starts by saying this prayer, God, use my life for your purposes. I'm gonna live outside my comfort zone. I'm gonna live outside of me. I'm gonna have some faith and I'm gonna do something. And I'm telling you what, this might take risk. This might cost you something. And I think it's in that moment where faith is built and God says, well done, come on, let's go. Let's do something to build my kingdom. I reminded me even two weeks ago when we did something for the very first time. We did something we've never done to reach people we've never reached and we called it the Easter Egg Factory. And maybe you came and maybe your kids were there. And I gotta tell you, on Saturday night when we were setting up the Egg Factory, it was the first moment in seven and a half years that I thought to myself, and I didn't say it out loud, I just thought to myself, this may be the first time we have bitten off more than we can chew. We are in trouble. We are in the weeds. There is no way that this is going to get done on time. And yet the volunteers, man, what such an amazing crew that put that thing together. But it was people who volunteered, who had incredible gifts and talents and skills. And I think of Barry Burke. He designed the actual factory itself. And John Francis and Gary Rosinski. They helped him build it, and many others that night that helped put that frame together and figured out a conveyor belt. And I didn't know how to do a conveyor belt. I mean, here was my idea for a conveyor belt. I said, well, just put someone in there, and they can just, like, turn it the whole time. This is why I do this, and I don't do things like that. They don't let me near that stuff. I'm terrible at that kind of stuff. But they figured out why, because it's their gifts. It's how they're wired. I mean, Barry built his own cabin from scratch. I mean, like, this is, this is just how God wired them and made them. And yet he's using it for a purpose beyond himself to build the kingdom of God. I thought of Nina Kwam and Maddie Thies and Kimmy Cupid and, and Pete Oakley, I mean, and Matt Collins. I mean, the, the, the science stuff that they did. Amanda Cuss, Franz, Bruce and Patty Franz with their printing business who printed everything and made that thing just turn it. All these people who just said, you know what, I'm gonna use my gifts and I'm gonna use my talents and I'm gonna use my abilities. God, you can use my life for your purposes. Whatever I have, I'm willing to give back. And last, and then just two weeks ago, we had 30 new families walk through our doors and nine adults that decided to cross the line of faith and give their life to Jesus. Amazing to think about, right? Yeah, you can clap for that. That's awesome. Amazing. And why did it happen? Because some people said, God, I don't got much, but you know what? What I've got, you can use it. You can use my life for your purposes. You can use my life for your purposes. I want to be a part of what you're doing. So many people living on mission with Jesus. So let me ask you, what's in your heart to do? How have you been wired? Where's your talents? Where's your abilities? Use them. Say, God, with your kingdom in mind, I want to use these things. Don't let fear hold you back. But just do it. And a great opportunity where you can serve, if you haven't already, is right here at Riverway. To be on mission with Jesus. Where every single week we're creating environments for people to be discipled and baptized and taught how to become like Jesus. A portable church that, to be honest, every single weekend we joke because I feel like being portable, we're set up for failure every single week. And what you don't know is that this tech team, they've been here since six this morning setting all of this up so we could sit here today. And before rehearsal could start, that dumb keyboard over there wouldn't work for about 20 minutes. And we were figuring it out, figuring it out, and they were troubleshooting and troubleshooting. And you know, you don't even realize all the work that goes into it because when everything works, you just, you're like, wow, that's great. Oh, there's lights, that worked. 
They may have just appeared overnight. That's so cool how that does that. Absolutely not. Scores of volunteers that help us. Down in kids, people are serving right now, taking care of your kids and teaching them about how much God loves them and the plan that he has for their life. I mean, you may not know this, but almost a third of our church is kids. Last week alone, we had 125 kids down there. That's a lot of kids needing a lot of people to step up and say, God, you can use my life to help pour into them. You see, we're not just parking cars and serving donuts and greeting and stuffing bulletins and doing all these tech things and all that just for us to just sit around and just say, hey, look at us. Absolutely not. We're here for a bigger purpose. We're here so that people can have an aha moment with God. An aha moment about his forgiveness and the purpose that he has for them. And how are we doing it? Through those of you that have just said, maybe you prayed that prayer, God, you can use my life for your purposes. And for some of you, you're so gifted and we need your gifts right here at Riverway. Some of you, we just need you to serve where it's needed. I always joke, like growing up, I had to clean toilets from time to time and it wasn't because I was gifted at cleaning toilets. It just needed to be done. And there's some things you serve where you're gifted and there's some, sometimes you serve where it's needed. And it's what families do. It's what the kingdom of God people do. As followers of Jesus, this thing exists week over week over week because so many volunteers have said, God, you can use my life for your purposes. You've lived out what Paul said in Acts 20, 35, when he said, and I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. Come on, let's help those in need and let's work hard. And he says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Because here's what I know, what Jesus knew 2,000 years ago and he knows it about us today is that it is our personal comfort that will be the biggest hurdle for us. My time, my schedule, my thing. Man, I just don't have room for that. Oh, that's outside of my comfort zone. Uh, whatever it is. And Jesus says, no, no, let me remind you. On the other side of this, there's something that you're missing. That is way more blessed to be on the giving side than on the receiving side. It is much better to be on the serving end than on the taking end. Even though the taking end is good. And boy, our culture reminds us of that all the time. But our culture is not good at reminding us of the reward on the other side of serving. That Jesus says those that will lay down their life, those that will serve are actually the greatest among us. Those that are faithfully serving. And Jesus said, I know this seems backwards, but I'm telling you there's more fulfillment on the other side. And so if we could boil it down to one thing, it'd be your last filling. That if you want to find meaning and purpose in life, be a means to someone's end. Be a means to someone's end. That's where meaning and purpose is found. And the truth is, every single one of us want to find meaning and purpose in our life. There's a moment that every one of us have woken up one day and thought, why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? And as a follower of Jesus, I'm telling you what, you're on the verge of discovering it if you're not serving yet. It's when you choose to give your life away. And whatever God nudges you and just do it. Just start doing something for God. Take a risk. Take a leap of faith. I think of so many people in our church that even outside in our community are making a difference. Uh, Jenny Oman, one of our teenagers here, she has to do a project for school and she decided that she wanted to set up some sort of drive where food and clothing could come in. And she approached us and she said, could we do this on one of our fifth Sundays? And so I think for Block of Blessing or something, we're gonna try to coordinate this. But she says, I just wanna do something that's gonna give back and make a difference, but I wanna do it through the church. And I mean, who does that as a teenager? This is how God's wired me. Christy Fear, one of our attendees here, she felt God nudge her to start a Montessori school and she starts it this fall. I mean, what seemed as a scary dream 
It's now a reality and it's happening. Why? Because she took a leap of faith to say, God, if this is what you want me to do with my gifts and abilities, I'm going to do it. I was talking with my brother uh, this last weekend and my niece, who's 15 years old, she just has a heart to say, God, will you use my life? And so at the church that they attend, she gets picked up at 6 a.m. every Sunday morning by an intern, goes to her church, serves in all three services, and gets back home at 2 p.m. every Sunday. Why? Because at 15, she's prayed this prayer, God, you can use my life for your purposes. My life's bigger than about me, but I want it to count. I want it to make a difference. And when I hear of stories of life change and people coming in and their life being changed, I'm telling you what, it reminds me all the more of why I've committed my life to this and why I hope you'll commit part of your life to fulfilling the mission God has for you. Because there's something so important in it that we can reach more people than we've ever reached, have an impact on our local communities. But in order to reach them, we need more people to say, I'll align my life with God's. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 says, for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. He says, let me tell you, when we go out and we make a difference, it's not about us. No, no, no. It's always about Jesus. And our role, let's remind ourselves, we're the servant. That's our role. We serve. And those who are the servants are actually the greatest among us. That's how Jesus quantifies it. And right aside of your bulletin, you should have had a card that looks just like this. It says, I'm ready to serve. And maybe before you're going to start a school or maybe before you're going to go start a food or clothing drive, maybe for you an easy on-ramp is to say, I'm going to just start serving at Riverway. And if you don't have one of these, our ushers will bring one to you. If you could just raise your hand real quick, I'd love for everyone to have one of these. But you can fill out the front, but on the back, there's all the different areas that you can serve here. And uh, I just want to run through them with you. And what we're going to ask you to do, if you're not serving yet, I'm going to ask you to put a one or two, just your preference. Here would be my first choice. Here would be my second choice. And we'll get in contact with you this week. And for those of you in this moment that don't think I'm talking to you, you're wrong again. I'm talking to you. If you're not serving yet, this is a great opportunity for your life to get on missions with, mission with God's. I'm not talking about your neighbor. I'm not talking about the person to your right or left. I'm talking about you. Will you let your life be used for God? And there's no easier way than this on-ramp right here. Maybe some of you have taken a break and you need to jump back in. Maybe you're serving once a month and you say, you know what, I could serve twice a month. Maybe some of you are saying, hey, I'm here every week anyway. I'll serve when I'm here. And if I'm gone on vacation, I'll let you know. But hey, as long as I'm here, I'm going to serve every week. But let me just run through some of these things in the back. Our kids' area is so important. Kids' preschool, birth to five, our K through fifth, and kids' main stage. We have live teaching every single week uh, that is down there. If your gift is communication, main stage would be a great place for you. Uh, we have a rooted youth group on Wednesday nights. And by the way, on Sundays, it's one of the reasons we do two services, so people can serve in one and attend one. And I love it when I see shirts just like this that tell me that the Conleys just got done serving in first service and kids, and now they're up here in service. You know what? And if you have kids, let them sit through both. They'll just sit through it twice. And if there's anything like my kids, they need to hear it twice. You know, just let them hear it again. Let them hear it again. They'll be fine. Uh, the setup team on Sunday morning, most of them get here at 6.30 in the morning. Tear down. We're out of here at about 1 o'clock afterwards on Sundays. Maybe you could be jump on one of those teams. Maybe it's guest services, greeting, guiding, and giving people information, being a smiling face at the door. Maybe it's our parking lot team outside waving and creating a safe environment. Maybe it's Usher's main service here. Maybe it's our Team Yummy, which is our coffee and donuts. I know, weird name, but it fits. Uh, coffee and donuts. You could help serve on that team. Maybe it's production. Maybe your gifts, your abilities, your experiences have been video, audio, lighting, something like that. 
Uh, maybe you could be on the, on the prayer team every Sunday when we have people come down. Maybe you have a gift for prayer and you just love to pray with people. Join that team. Maybe it's in our music, on our worship team. Maybe you have the ability to play or sing. You could check a box. But here's what I know. Jesus promises us on the other side of this. Boy, there's fulfillment. On the other side of listening to those nudges and doing something that's outside of our comfort zone, wow, there is so much fulfillment in that because we are truly living out the very reason we've been designed by God. And so as we close, I want us to pray this prayer. God, use my life for your purposes. If you've never prayed that prayer, this is gonna be a powerful moment in your life. As you begin to say, God, everything I am, I want it to be used for you. So would you mind just closing your eyes all over this room and let's just take 30 seconds right now for you to pray that prayer and to align your life with God's. Let's do it. Heavenly Father, thank you for creating us and making us and knowing us. Thank you that every part of us was on purpose so that we could live it out for your purposes. God, we know that you know that it's so easy in our culture to just forget about this and get back to our kingdom and our stuff and our families and our future and all of that. And this is where we need your help to remind us again and again that we've been made for more. We've been made for our life to count for something bigger than ourselves. And so with humility and gratefulness, we pray this prayer, God, use my life for your purposes. Show me how to use my life. I want to help build your kingdom. I want to help other people find and follow you. So in whatever we do, whatever it is, will you find us there being faithful to how you've created us? In Jesus' name we pray.